at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, March 24, 2023. So on the calendar, we just concluded our week 12 of 2023. And, of course, nothing stands still, as I've mentioned before. The weather changes, the stock market changes, the interest rates change, everything changes. It's all dynamic. And, you know, geopolitical issues and the variables that that causes, all these things change, and you have to keep up with it. Or at least be aware of what it does in conjunction with your accounts and your ability to put money away. I'm Steve Peace. I'm here today on this radio program podcast to help you make most the most of your portfolio strategy and the decisions you need to make. And I always look forward to doing this podcast, and I enjoy, and, and of course, radio show, and I enjoy hearing your financial investment questions. For those who may be new to Talk, I, I, I will guarantee I will, not be, I will not push anything on you. We only, we only provide unbiased information. You know, there's no, there's no, I want you to buy this or buy that, or I like this stock or that stock over this stock because I have some kind of bias. I don't. I really don't. I just want to make you a better investor. There is no hidden agenda here. So I think I can say with all certainty that this is really a lesson, and we have a new lesson every day going on with the market, and you get to ask questions. It's a, the show is driven by you, by your questions. So I'm always looking forward to whatever questions you might have. And, you know, if you're a serious investor, you know you've got to be prepared. You know you have to apply the lessons judiciously uh, in order to make money consistently. You're not going to make money all the time in the stock market. That's not how it works. There can be a year, two years, three. There could be multiple years where you don't make money. But overall, long term, the market always gives you about 8 to 11% return. Net, consistently, over a 10-year period, that's what you'll get. Some years, it's much, much higher than that, as you know. And you don't know which year that's going to be. So you have to be in the market. You have to be. So, to catch that year. So, should you be in the market now? I would. 888-99-CHART is my number. Ready to take your calls for any financial questions you might have. I want to talk to you about any financial questions you might have. You have to have questions because, you know, being a successful investor means you learn. You have to learn what's going on. My focus point today concerns retirement versus emergency savings, how to prioritize in a shaking economy like we have now. Okay? The economy actually looks pretty decent, but it's not. It, you you, you got to look forward, not backward. So more than half of savers have trouble prioritizing what they should do. And 2023 is um, 
a perfect year to start considering how do you, what should I do with my money? I mean, where should I put it? Should I put it in a 401k? Should I save it? Should I put it in an emergency fund? What should I do with it? And we're going to talk about that. Okay. Uh, time permitting, I also have a number of other things. Is the Fed backing off? Hawkish. Powell was kind of hawkish on the comments on fighting inflation. But are they really backing off? I mean, it's only a quarter point they raised, right? Not a half. Treasury bill demand soars after the Fed raises the rates. Why would that happen? Interest rates went up. Values of Treasuries gone down. Hmm. There's a. That's because we're talking about Treasury bills, not bonds. You know the difference. Commercial real estate is in trouble, or more trouble. They already were in trouble, but more trouble since the Fed raised the rates another quarter point. We're going to talk about those things, if we can get to it. And yeah, uh, you might want to take a little look at the European banking crisis, you know, with uh, what's going on in Europe. There's, there's, they've got more problems than we do, I think. So we'll talk about all those things. And time permitting, we also will talk, you know, we'll take our voice bank questions uh, ready to play. Someone wants to talk about, uh, we're going to be looking at Johnson & Johnson. We're going to look at a Bank America Corp. And I have iTunes review questions, too. It's Friday, everybody, so I will share highlights from our newest KP pre- KPP premium newsletter. And that's coming up at the halfway point of the podcast. So I've got all this planned for this episode of the podcast. And, of course, I will take your live calls on 888-99-CHART. So how did the market do today? It was up 132 points for the Dow, 37 points for the NASDAQ, 22 points on the S&P 500. So the market's had a good week. So that raise in interest rates on Wednesday, market rally Wednesday and Thursday, and now Friday. So we've had a good week for the market while the interest rates are rising. Usually you would think, well, if he's right, the Fed's raising rates, that's going to slow down the economy and therefore slow down profits. So why is it moved up? Mark, you got, you know, market can do whatever it wants to do. Uh, and I can tell you why I think it moved up. I think it moved up because everybody's realizing, well, the Fed might be getting close to the end here. This might be it for raising rates. The market will move in advance of a turn in the economy or a turn in the interest rates. It will move in advance. Okay, let's grab our first question now, okay? Hey, guys. Love the show. I was just calling uh, to get your opinion on uh, Hingham Institution for Savings. That's ticker H-I-F-S. That's a regional bank and it's obviously gone down a lot lately with everything going on. But I know this is one of the best-run regional banks in the country very solid, very uh, risk-averse, and all their deposits are 100% insured. So I was wondering if uh, I could get your take on it. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Okay, Hingman Institutional Savings. Uh, it is a bank in the Northeast um, out of Massachusetts, a holding company for Hingman Institute for Savings operating via 10 offices in uh, North Fork, Plymouth Counties, Massachusetts. Uh, it is a very small bank, $500 million in market cap. So it's really tiny, really tiny. So you got to be aware that that means more risk. Uh, they pay a dividend 1%. Uh, they've always made money. They've never lost. There's never been a year where they've lost money. And the amount of the money they're making is pretty significant per year. They're going to make $30.65 a share. Uh, they made that in 2021. We don't have any estimates for... 
2022, and they should be coming in with that. I don't see it up there. Uh, current, their $232 bank, current P.E. ratio is around 6 or 7, very low. Uh, doesn't pay much of dividend, just that 1%. And sales in the most recent quarter, which was September, we shouldn't have December's any, you know, we're almost into the second quarter. I don't know what the problem is there. It's not showing up on my database. That's what the problem is. Uh, so it is a pretty run, pretty well-run bank. Cash flow is thirty-one dollars and forty-nine cents. Return on equity is twenty-one percent. All good numbers. Uh, management doesn't own any of the stock. I don't, I don't care for that. You might want to check into that, and also check into how much long-term treasuries they have. That's where the problem's been with these banks. Too much long-term treasuries causing them to reevaluate those as interest rates are pushed up by the Fed and the value of them keep going down, down, down. Therefore, their equity in the company is going down, down, down. Check that out before you buy. Make sure they don't have too much of those long-term treasuries. They want You want short-term, short-term. You probably noticed that Justin and I are very happy about having reached our 50 million podcast downloads. Yeah, right. I mean, we've been talking about it. To celebrate, KPP Financial has given away 50 free subscriptions to 50... Um, 50 uh, million uh, uh, to 50 people. Uh, so it's called 50 for 50 million, and it's a big thank you from us about uh, doing our uh, getting reaching that title. So we want to appreciate, we want to thank you for that and everything else. So I've, I've got a lot of planned, everybody. So it's up to you what you want to do. So 888-99-CHARTERS is the number, 888-992-4278. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads surpassing 50 million, each Invest Talk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. Invest Talk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real time data research and years of investing experience. 24 7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days. The Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. The stock market is constantly changing and serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now, with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. Okay, we're going to go to John in the Bay Area. Hi, John. You want to talk about foreclosures? Yes. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. I just had a question. So I, I bought a house at all-time highs in June of 2022, and I paid 335 for it. It's a condo, and now it's worth 300. I'm, I'm not too fond of the neighborhood. I don't see myself living there long term, and of course, I can't. If I sell now, I take a bigger loss. I'm underwater on the house, and um, 
I'm thinking of potentially walking away, and most people are telling me not to do it. But if I do walk away, you know, I can move back with family and, and save the same money that I spent on it and, and save this amount in two years. I was wondering what your opinion is of walking away from our house. If you when walk, to do it and when not to do it. Now, if you walk away, you know that loan, that loan, the home loan, will become income to you. So, how much do you own a house? Uh, I owe three eleven, and it's worth around three hundred. So you own, you owe. If you walked away, just walked away, you would owe. They would send you a ten ninety nine for three hundred eleven thousand dollars. Okay, now if they'll sell the house, short sale or whatever, and that will reduce that three hundred eleven by however much it's worth. If it's really three hundred, now you're going to get a, a tax bill, a ten ninety nine for eleven thousand something dollars. So this is the danger in walking away from a mortgage. If you can negotiate and talk to the bank and tell them you can't make the payments or something, you've got to have some kind of story why why you're walking away, not just because you feel like it, to not get dinged and they'll accept the th- you know whatever the house is worth as a payoff of the entire loan. If you don't, you're going to have to owe taxes, income taxes, income taxes. Okay, so, yeah, so it would be like income tax on the 11K if I were to walk away. Yeah, if they sold the house at three hundred, but what if they sold the house at two sixty five because they just wanted to dump it and they didn't care? Well, you're going to oh, get that's it. True, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be best if you work with the bank or you sell it yourself uh, and just walk away from the difference. You know, so be careful. Be very careful about what you're doing here. Okay. 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 okay thank you, Steve. Thanks, Appreciate John. That. Okay, no problem. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. That's my number. Love to talk to you. Uh, let's see. Where are we going? Uh, okay, let's talk about retirement versus emergency savings, how to prioritize prioritize in a shaky economy. Okay, the two main things you need to have is uh, some kind of retirement account and an emergency fund. So let's talk about those two things. Let's say you work for a company and they have a 401k, and you're deciding whether I should put money in the 401k or should I set money aside for emergency funds? Well, I would suggest that you, if they match, if the company matches you, you want to max out their match first. Max it out. If they match 4% up to a certain amount, then you want to match that. You want to put their money in. They'll match your money. So it's free money you're getting for your 401k. That would be... Number one, if you have an IRA and you don't have 401k, there's no match, then I would suggest you put money in the emergency fund first, not in the IRA. Because when you put an IRA, you tie it up, you pull it out of there because of the emergency, you're going to have to pay penalty and tax. So that means you put money in emergency fund. How much money should you have in an emergency fund? Between three months and one year of your expenses, your monthly expenses. And that goes to well, how secure is your job? It's very secure. You don't need to have a really long uh, three months is probably okay. If the job isn't that secure, then you need much more. Okay. So I've got all this planned, everybody. We've got lots of things to talk about. We'll continue right after this break. Break eight 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 ninety nine chart. Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. I have a follow-up question from your 
about a wealth webinar. I didn't actually listen, but um, you mentioned some stuff in the podcast the other day about value stocks. My question is, would you consider Johnson & Johnson a value stock? It's coming down quite a bit. It looks like it hasn't done much in the past few years, but over a long period of time, it looks like it's done pretty well. It pays a smaller dividend, not a big dividend, but looks like it's secure. I'm just looking to see if this is a, a good value stock to put money towards. I'm only 27, and so you have extra time just to touch on if this is the type of company that I should be, I guess, overweight and underweight or have at least some position in as a 27-year-old, uh, long investing future. And uh, I know that's a lot, but um, <laughs> hopefully you can uh, answer as much of that as possible, and I'll listen on the podcast. Thanks, as always. Bye. Yeah, Johnson Johns is one of those blue chip stocks that you should own or you can own, but you got to buy them right because it, you're really buying them for the dividend and the small growth that it has potential. So you want to buy it when it's a deep value stock. It's selling for uh, $152. It's going to make $10.62 next year. So that's like a 15 PE. And that, that to me is not cheap enough, but it's getting there because the low of the range is 13 so if it keeps falling, if it gets down to the 140 area, I think that'd be an ideal. Remember, it's 152 now. It pays a three percent dividend. It grows very slowly, two three percent at sales. But it's Johnson Johnson. It's not going anywhere. It's a really solid company, and that three percent dividend is like rock solid. It will pay the three percent as the value goes down. And what's gone down from 180 now down to 152? Okay, in just recent times. So um, I think it might go down a little further. But, yeah, this would be something you could add to your portfolio. And, yes, it's a good value play. The return equity is very good at 36%. Cash flow is very good. Management owns 1%. Mutual funds are buyers over the last year. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good value stock. But I think you might get a little deeper value here. Um over the next, I don't know, a little bit. It could be the bottom. You just got to keep at, keep watching it, okay? On Fridays, I generally may take time to fit in a quick rundown on the key uh, benchmark numbers. So let, let me hit that list for you right now. The two-year treasury yield is at 3.779%. almost We'll round it off 3.8%. That's the two-year treasury, Okay. For perspective, last week it was 3.9, so it's gone down when the Fed raised the rates. So the two-year gone down. The 10-year Treasury is 3.37, or we'll call it 3.4. Okay, so 3.8 versus 3.4. 3.8 for the two-year, 3.4 for the 10-year. And last week it was 3.39. So it looks like uh, I think we're seeing some squeezing going on on the inverted yield curve, but we're still inverted. We've been inverted for a while, and that's pretty negative for the economy over long term. Now, a long time ago, 65 weeks ago, the two-year was paying 0.64%, and the 10-year was paying 1.7%. That's normal. The 10-year rate should be much higher than the two-year rate. That's the way it's supposed to be. Okay? Gold was at $1977 per ounce. Last week was 1980, so it's about the same. Uh, and if you go way back, it was 1806.50 a year ago. Okay, but it hasn't really it, 1806 hasn't really changed much in that year. Kind of been 
not a high performer. Even though with high inflation, you would think it would be. But we also had high value of the dollar, dollar going up in value for that most, most of that time. So, you know, you got to watch the dollar. You got to watch inflation in the dollar. Silver today, $23.12 an ounce. Last week, it was twenty two fifty four, so it's gone up uh, a little bit. Um, just like, uh, but the gold went down a little bit. Nothing major changes at all in any of, either one of those two things. Uh, 60, 60 weeks ago is sixty six sixty two, so that tells you how you know that five percent increase in value in a, over a year. Not much. The national average for the gallon of gasoline three dollars and forty four cents, down a penny from last week. Okay, three weeks ago is three thirty nine. Okay, uh, 58 weeks ago was 357. So go, you can't blame oil now or gasoline for um, for uh, inflation. It's really not. California, by the way, it's $4.82. It's down a nickel from last week. Okay, so inflation, you know, uh, you know, it, it was initially really boosted by oil and gasoline prices, but not 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 anymore. You can't really talk about that and you know kentucky what are they paying three dollars and 14 cents now mind you that's like a dollar 70 less than here in california per gallon per gallon why 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 are we paying so much well we can you can thank our politics for that because we have huge taxes they 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 force on us for that gasoline okay just letting you know 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, 888-992-4278. Give me a call. This is Invest Talk. Love to talk to you. Anything financial, we'll discuss it. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today.
you've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready with their unbiased answers. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Brett from New Jersey. Thank you for all that you guys do. Uh, I know you've been getting a lot of questions about bank stocks, and Bank of America is one that's been on my watch list for a while. I just noticed that it's paying about 10% right now at its current price, thinking about picking it up. Do you guys see if it think it's going to go any lower? And if so, what do you think is a good price to pick it up at? Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. Well, Bank of America, one of the hugest banks out there, right? There, yeah, there are certain big, huge banks, and Bank of America is one. There, so there's no danger with them at all. Uh, they have a good loan portfolio. They're, they're fine. Um, and, yeah, you would like to buy it on when it's valued. It's a $27.14 stock. They're going to make $3.74 next year, up from three forty nine this year, up from three nineteen last year. Pay a 3.2% dividend in IC. I don't know where you're getting 10%. They do have a 10% return on equity. Uh, but the P-E ratio is like 8. Okay? And the five-year range is 6 to 21. So it's come down, come come down off of fifty dollars back in December, and here it is at twenty seven half. Yeah, I think you buy it. I think you buy it. Uh, you know their 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 sales went up fifty one percent in the most recent quarter. What quarter was that? That was the December quarter, the end of the year quarter. Fifty one percent before that was up twenty six. Before that, up eleven. Before now that they probably won't do that well in the future, but the price is really pretty attractive here in the twenties. So uh, I have I'll give you a thumbs up on Bank of America. Symbols B A C. Everybody, you know it's a two hundred seventeen billion dollar company, but Bank of America has I don't know a trillion, two trillions in assets under you know as far as all their assets are concerned. I mean it's huge. It's huge. So. Kind of like it. The KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning. So I have a preview for you right now. In the market condition sections, we explained, and I don't see it here yet. Well, there it is. Scroll down. As another week of trading came to a close, much of the market was still driven by uncertainty surrounding the stability of the banking system. Our, our, over last weekend, news broke out that UBS would be purchasing Credit Suisse. Did you, you know, I looked at the details of that deal. UBS is getting such a bargain. They're going to make a fortune off of this at the, at the expense of Credit Suisse and their shareholders. I don't know. Yeah, they're just going to make a fortune out of it. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it or whatever. I'm just saying they're making, along with the takeover, Swiss regulators made the decision to write down $17 billion in bonds, resulting in several U.S. investment funds seeing their respective 100 million positions evaporate overnight. The fallout from this decision spread to Asia as major banks in Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong decided to place their upcoming Tier 1 bonds offering on hold until the market stabilizes. Okay? So that's, that's pretty amazing to me. Okay, now has the market stabilized? I mean, uh, in other news, banking news, the cost of credit default swaps for Deutsche Bank soared. As written, credit swaps is like insurance, okay? So as a reminder, credit default swap, also known as CDs, is essentially insurance against the default as it allows you to hedge a company's credit risk. 
So that cost of buying the insurance skyrocketed. Most importantly this week, falling in line with market expectations, the Fed announced that they would be raising target rates by 0.25 basis points, or a quarter point. Now, that was just recent that they marked it down to 25 basis points. Before that, a few weeks ago, a month ago, everybody was speculating at 50%, half a percent, 0.50 basis points. Dovish language, language, which has not been seen for some time, accompanied the most recent hike, and there's why you have a market rally here. It's likely that the true effect of this latest campaign to raise rates has not fully been felt yet, and he's talking about we're talking about in the economy, as the banks continue to wait out the short, uh, wait out the storm, and the market whipsaws through the trading days. Most investors find themselves in a position of wait and see. There's a lot more in the commentary, right, in the newsletter. You, you, you just get it, and you'll, you'll be able to read it, okay? Uh, in the stock ideas section, one of the world's largest third-party video game publishers that has transitioned from a console-based video game publisher to one of the largest publishers on consoles, to PCs, and mobile is financially strong with $1.1 billion in free cash flows, the company is not affected by higher rates as it has a very small debt load with debt and equity ratio of 0.25. So it's a really solid company that you should consider. So we like that one. Um, let's see. Um, one of the largest, lar- uh, a leading, another one we looked at, a leading manufacturer, it's on the newsletter, a leading manufacturer of paper tissue and products for the hygiene realm its brand mix is broad. The firm also operates a professional division which partners with businesses to provide safety and sanitary products for the workplace. It pays an attractive 3.7% dividend yield. Earnings should remain fairly stable as many of the products sold are necessary items, so it's not a cyclical stock. We name names on the newsletter, and we give you the symbols and everything. So you, if you subscribe at investtalk.com, you'll see them every, every Saturday morning. Comes out every week. Okay. We also, uh, let's see, let's grab another listener question, okay, from 888 99Chart. Hi, I was calling about uh, Iron Mountain. I'm up about 100% on it. I wanted to know if I should sell it, keep it, or uh, just buy more. Thank you for your help. Bye. Iron Mountain, the symbol is IRM, everybody. Uh, Iron Mountain is a $14 billion company for provides record management. Data protection and information just uh, information destruction services. Okay, um, they are a fifty dollar stock, and they're going to make a dollar sixty two this year and a dollar eighty five next year. Sales have been pretty decent in recent years. Uh, pays a four point nine percent dividend, and return on equity is a huge sixty nine percent. And the stock has made a very nice run up. I would at least, at the very least, take some profits on this because a $50 stock and it's only making $1.85, that means a P.E. ratio is not cheap going forward. Uh, you know, it's over 20, and the range is 15 to 41. So it's, it's going to lose, it's going to stop being cheap, even though it's a very good company. So I'd probably take some of my profits off of this, but I don't know if I'd sell it all because it still has very good fundamentals. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to, there's an old saying, I don't know if you heard the saying, but Jerry Klein, the, my mentor for years and years and years, uh, said, you don't want to, you don't want to 
cut the flowers and water the weeds, okay? So this is a flower. It's done very well. Don't necessarily want to cut it, but I would cut back on it, but don't cut it away from completely out of your portfolio because it's done so well, even though there's a lot of resistance right around $55 a share, a lot, of, and they have a hard time breaking above that. So that would be my opinion. I think I would do that. Is the Fed backing off? It's increasing rates pace. Obviously, it's yeah, because it's 0.25, right? A quarter point this most recent meeting. And before that, it was always higher. So obviously, they're reducing it. Um, but Powell's still kind of hawkish in his comments to fight inflation. Okay, but you don't want to look at what he says. You look at what they say. I mean, what they do. You do what they, you want to see what they're doing. And what he's done is cut it down. He's still talking about, and as I said before, I think the bank, the little bank crisis we just had will cause a ripple effect all throughout all banking and our economy on the downside. The downside. Think about if you're going to borrow money to buy a house or any kind of loan, car loan, or student loan. Right now, you go out and buy it today, it costs more than it used to. So you're going to think about that a little bit harder. So I think, you know, the banks are going to look at their, you know, standards a little bit closer. I think they're going to sharpen their pencils because, you know, they can't afford to have defaults and they're now worried because of interest rates and and they're struggling for on a minimum with their balance sheets. So I, I just see a ripple effect from this that will help the Fed. And think about it this way. Think about the ripple effect on people, you and me, right? You've just had a scare, banking crisis scare. Will that stop the consumers from spending or slow them down? It won't stop them, but will it like make them reconsider certain spending habits? I think it might. And that will slow the economy. And that was what the Fed's after. So the inflation rate will slow down, right? That's their whole goal. So... But I do think we are awfully close, awfully close. There's a lot of federal, I've read, a lot of the voting members on the Federal Reserve are really getting close to not voting for more increases. Stop it. Okay, and as a consequence, you know, there's been a Treasury bill demand that has been soaring. Bill, not bonds, short-term Treasury Bills, short-term. When people take the time to leave an Investop podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Okay, so, GLAD176. I recently bought CLFD, uh, Clearfield Inc., because of all the metrics show that it's a great value. The only downside I can find is that it doesn't pay a dividend. Since I bought it, it has dropped even more. Can you tell me if you see something I, I'm missing? Why should it drop to price? Why should it drop in price so much? So let's look at CLFD. Okay, you want to look and see what they do. Clearfield, out of uh, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, manufactures fiber distribution systems, optical components, outside plant cabinets. Um, so it's pretty cyclical. In other words, and it's small, $687 million in market cap. So it's cyclical and small, and usually cyclical and small means volatility. And this thing is 
come down from like 130 all the way down to 45, and it did that uh, in in just a couple of months. I mean, it's, it's been pretty beat up. They're going to make four dollars and four cents a share this year. That's up 14 percent, and four dollars and 51 cents a share next year. That's up 12 percent. And the sales are really good. So you're right. The fundamentals are very strong. And it's a $45 stock, and it's going to make $4.51. So that's a 10 PE, and the five-year range is 12 to 67. So this is a really good value play, okay? Again, it's really small, so you're going to have to deal with lots of volatility. I, I would look for a place for stability, and I think you're finding it. You're going to find it right where it is. I don't think you should worry about it too much. If you don't have a full position, Probably, I'm thinking I'd add to it. I mean, you've had one, how many days? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight days where it's just kind of gone sideways. And I'm, you might want to wait till the see if it pops, start to move up. And if it does, uh, you know, if you don't have a full position, then add. I would not delete it here. I would not take, I would not, re, I would not sell it. Be patient. Remember, it's small. Small caps are very volatile. Small caps generally don't pay dividends. Don't look for small caps to pay you dividends. If they do, that's a kind of a red flag because they're so small, they probably shouldn't. They should be putting that money back into the business to keep it growing to make it big. Return equity is very nice, 39%. Mutual funds are buyers. Management owns 15%. Now, I, w- I wouldn't sell it. I would not. Okay? That'd be my opinion. Okay, um, well, Justin and, I, Justin and Klein and I have been telling you for a while about where we are in the new market environment. Cycles are a natural part of almost every everything in life, everything, including the stock market. Bear markets come and go, bull markets come and go. Bull markets last a lot longer than bear markets. If you've been around any length of time, you know that for a fact. We're in a bear market, been in a bear market a year and three, almost four months now. The bear market started January a year ago. January a year ago, this last January. You know, so, And that's when this bear market started. It's still struggling through the bear market. Why? Well, because the Fed's been raising rates all that time, and they still are, aren't they? But they're getting close. Anyway, so I tell you, you know, you should take advantage of us taking a look at your portfolio, see if it can survive this bear market without too much damage. It's really what you're looking for. You want to stay in the market because, you know, you, by the time, if you're out of the market and you want to jump in, you've already missed much of the move. It, it's just the nature of the beast. So we can help you. How do we, you know, we help you at KPP Financial. That's the firm that we own. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and share success. And how we implement that is we provide unbiased guidance. We don't owe anybody any, uh, any kind of favors or you know, any kind of prejudice or anything. We don't do that. There, by the way, that's not uncommon, right? It's not. A lot of money managers have to go with a certain big, huge family of funds or a big family of some uh, a big money uh, house, and they have to buy what they tell them to buy. So it's not, that's not as common as you might think, just letting you know. So we'd be happy to sit down and talk to you. Uh, we will get. We have different strategies. We practice what we call parallel investing, where we buy the same thing for ourselves. We do our clients. 
So there's a lot of advantages you can have by having us take a look at your portfolio for free, and we won't tie a talk into anything. I think you'll find out we're pretty different. Ten minutes. That's all it'll take. About that long. We want to help you. We really do. We're different. We really want to help you. So let us help you. The sooner you contest, the sooner it works. Okay? 888-99-CHART is our number. Give me a call. This is Talk. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, uh, my name is Nathan from Cleveland, Ohio, and I have a question. I recently sold some covered calls, and now the price of the stock is over my strike price. I was wondering if you recommend if I just wait until the shares get called away or sell the option and lose out on the intrinsic value of the option? I appreciate uh, your answer. Thank you. That's a tough question. I'd have to take a look at the stock to kind of determine. Cover calls, well, they usually expire the third week of every month. Um, so, you know, if you bought them recently, I don't have enough information to answer that question. Do you want to know the truth? Um, but generally speaking, I'd probably wait. If it, you just asked me that general question, I'd wait till it'd be called away, just in case something happens the last minute to make it turn to my, turn to my benefit. It's already bad, and it could get worse, of course, but it depends on the stock and the pattern and the chart. I mean, there's lots of things you need to look at, and I don't, you didn't tell me who the underlying is. It's, it's just I can't, I can't help you with the answer, really. Sorry about that. Okay, there has been a huge demand, soaring demand, for Treasury bills now because the Federal, rate, Federal, Federal Reserve raised rates again. So why is that? Well, because the bonds, which are old, longer term, bills are shorter term, you get a huge, pretty good interest rate on the bills, the shorter term ones, where the long bond is you're getting crushed because the value is going down. Now, if you hold a long bond to maturity, if you're an individual, you'll get your money, you'll get your interest rate, and the value of that bond will go back to where uh, par value. Okay? It will. You just got to wait. But banks can't do that. And a lot of institutions can't do that. They got to mark the value of the, of the holding called mark the market, market at the market price. And they're losing money on their books. And, of course, the Fed's changed the rules recently to try to save the banks, right? I mean, and not all the banks have this big problem, you know, because banks are supposed to manage the risk that they take. And just being loading up on long-term ten-year Treasury bonds and, uh, from the federal, from the U.S. Treasury sounds like oh, it's very safe. Well, it's not if you have to use general accounting principles, which they do. Is you should be spreading that over all the length of the government bonds. And some of the the big the, the biggest bank that went under didn't do that. So just know that. They're, everybody's trying to move to safety, and those are the shorter-term bonds, uh, bills from the U.S. government. And my, I've done that myself with uh, excess cash that you know I have to, to protect 
you know, protect the, the portfolio, obviously. Also, commercial real estate is in trouble. It already was in trouble because of, you know, the COVID move to home, work from home spike, and everybody still wants to work from home. So there's lots of empty space. And now, with the banking crisis, they're losing some of their flexibility in refinancing or financing the real estate that is not being occupied. So there's there's... They're, they're having more trouble. And see, this is what I mean by that, looking forward and looking forward to the economy. Because if you look backwards, we've done the economy's doing pretty good. It's not terrible. It's good. But you got to look forward. Is it going to get worse? And, you know, this banking crisis, what is it going to do really? Is it going to cause uh, a, a real reflex in not only consumers but institutions? And I think the answer is yes. And therefore, the, that's doing the work for the Fed. Therefore, the Fed may be close to being done. And that's why we had a couple, three days of rally in the market. But I don't know if that rally is a, a, a permanent thing yet. We don't know that. You only know that in hindsight, right? I mean, you always, always know things in hindsight. Okay? 888-99 Charters are our number, everybody. And we really do appreciate your, your participation and I'm Steve Peasley, and that, of course, completes another Invest Talk program. Justin Klein and I want to thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our, about our free podcast downloads. We really would. That's very helpful. Get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes. Your positive rating raises our profile and helps spread the word. Please, I really do want to thank you if you would do that, really. I know it takes a minute or so, but please. Help us out. Independent thing and share success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your work weekend, everybody. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 5461. Steve Peasley is president, and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.